Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today I wanted to talk about the things that I learned uh, from visiting farms during Maine's Open Farm Day and also by going to farmers markets and talking to people that are growing food and selling it there. So let's dig in and talk about five things that I've learned from visiting other farms. So my first thing that I learned is that there are lots of ways to have a farm. Some farms were conventional farming practices, others were eco-friendly. Um, some focused more on raising beef and cattle, um, others maybe did you know certain se seasonal summer veggies, like certain veggies like um, corn or pumpkins for fall those kind of things others had like stores on site of their farms that had like food things available produce um things that they had produced but also things that other local growers and producers had made as well um some had various like kitschy or primitive sort of farmhouse styled items in there they reminded me a lot of like certain garden centers and nurseries in the uk um that just have like a ton of homeware stuff kind of attached to you know various greenhouses full of plants um there was one in lincolnshire in the name of it i i mean i can't remember it's been decades since i've been but like every like December or in the run-up to the holidays they always had like these huge displays of like you know trees and ornaments and everything there and it kind of reminded me a lot of that some of these like little um farmhouse like farm shops and stuff that I visited were kind of like that they would have produce and things that were available or meat that was in freezers but then there was this overwhelming amount of um, stuff for the house that you could buy which is great like if you're looking for gifts for people um, but sometimes it was like really really overwhelming um, certainly like the smell of things um, there was one place that we looked at and the scent of the soaps and the candles and stuff that they had in there was just it was really really overwhelming for such a small space um but one of the things that i learned from looking at these places is that there is a massive amount of diversification that happens um on you know small farms locally that are generating an income right so this person um had not only this farm store but within that farm store there was various things that they had handmade or their family had handmade or things that they'd you know sourced from other makers relatively locally um or as far away as portland and i say as far away as portland it's like a 40 minute drive away um so you know there was things that are there that were selling too um i mean the lady that i was talking to there she was saying how there's these like really pretty um printed tea towels that were there that i was kind of eyeing at looking um at getting from my mom for you know the holidays and she was saying that she really struggles to keep them in stock because they're always really popular um they had tons of candles and things that had been handmade and hand poured like various um samplers of tea that were made um 
they had lots of um, things for kids that were there or, you know, small decor items, you know, like scented lavender sachets and things like that, that, you know, are always popular um, even now. I mean, I, I remember like my grandmother's house, like having scented lavender sachets that we made with her. And that's one of my fond memories is, you know, picking the lavender out of the garden and then turning them into these little pomanders or little scented sachets that we would then put in the drawers um not in your your underpants but like in in <laughs> the chest of drawers um to you know keep moths and things away from your clothes um so lots of things like that so there's a lot of diversity that happens on a local farm but how does that relate for a homesteader because obviously a farmer is doing it to make an income right you've got to pay the farmer um and you've got to pay the laborers and you need to have money coming in to be able to support you know wear and tear property taxes right all of that good stuff you know mortgage anything else that you've got to pay down right um but as a homesteader you're not necessarily going to be looking at selling things right and there's a whole plethora of other things that go on when you're wanting to sell stuff right if you're doing um let's say soap and stuff like that then you are going to want to think about having personal insurance and stuff um so it can get a little bit complicated when you start to sell but that's not to be put off by it because there are millions of people who do this every day um but more as a homesteader you're looking at diversification not necessarily as revenue for your homestead but perhaps as savings that you can glean by not having to purchase something from the store so for example if you're raising backyard chickens the eggs from your hens are meaning that you don't need to purchase eggs from the store, which then means that that is saving you money from your grocery bill. Or maybe you've got a great harvest going on for cucumbers and you often buy, you know, pickles in jars from the store. Well, if you learn how to make your own pickles from the cucumbers that you are growing, then you don't need to purchase pickles from the grocery store either. And that could save you some money. Um, you might already be thinking, yeah, but I don't have the canner and I don't have the jars and I don't have yada, 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 yada. Well, if you maybe get chatting with a neighbor or a friend, maybe they have a canner that you can borrow and maybe you can have a canning party together. That's one way how I first started canning was I canned with a friend who had the canner. Um, I had you know smaller canners i had a water bath canner and things already but they had a pressure canner and we basically divided and conquered together right i handled jam and they were handling um making tomato sauce right we were able to combine our efforts and they even had um jars already available so the the deal was that i brought some of the produce we split getting the cans and it didn't matter like because the glass jars and things that they already had they'd picked up from a yard sale so if you're thinking of getting into canning now's the summer as i'm recording this so maybe check out some of the local estate sales that are going on um if you're wanting to check things out from the thrift store like i often see glass jars at the thrift store too 
too. The only caution that I would throw out is to really, really check that they have not been broken, that there is no fracture lines or anything that's, um, you know, visible there. And before you go ahead and can your precious, precious, you know, jams or pickles or whatever it is that you are going with, if you have picked up, um, glass jars and things that have obviously been used from somewhere second hand i would definitely get some old um lids if you've uh, got any of those handy from canning or somebody that you know has got some that they can give you not necessarily the new ones but i'm i would check the integrity of the jars by either putting some water in them and then trying to can them and making sure that they're going to be able to actually um you know can safely whether it's in a water bath canner or in a um, pressure canner now though i have plenty of jars that i have um, moved with across the country i've got enough jars that i shouldn't really need to be purchasing anymore um, but again you know always um, check and you know check online too like if you've got local facebook groups or anything like that you could always ask if somebody has some um, and you know a lot of the times i find that people are actually a lot more willing to barter um it's not necessarily just about money and purchasing things directly from people sometimes they're a lot more amenable to bartering and swapping for something instead so those are some options there but um you know that's that's a a little segue into reuse and repurpose which is number two and that is incredibly common on farms um i have seen repurposed reused um things to make greenhouses chicken coops goat housing even chicken pluckers um i've seen some really really interesting designs that make things work without spending lots and lots of money um simple structures that are built from materials already on hand all those that have been found nearby are very, very common on small farms and homesteads. Um, as my husband and I were driving around, we saw loads, and I mean loads of furniture being left by the roadside that's for free. And actually, we commented on how you could furnish a house by driving around some of these rural communities in the summer. And um, as we were driving around, we saw this absolutely gorgeous mustard yellow cabinet and I, I really wanted it <laughs> i will be honest i really really wanted this gorgeous mustard yellow cabinet um and which was really ironic because i had literally just been telling my husband how i did not want to paint our house mustard yellow because i wasn't quite um in love with the color and then i saw this mustard yellow cabinet and i wanted it so um my bad um however like uh, there was a side table that went along with it but as we saw it on the way back it was being picked up by a young couple who were obviously starting out and um, my stepson even found a new chair for his apartment for free on the roadside and even when we lived in the suburbs like free furniture tvs working appliances even like fridges dryers or washers were pretty common uh, one person's trash is definitely someone else's treasure um and you know what a great way to furnish a house especially if you're starting out and you're wanting to go down this route of becoming a homesteader then you know by picking up things for free or for very very little money um and even as a suburban homesteader what 
you know, what do you need on your homestead and how can you build it with what you already have? Um, can you build raised beds with trees or branches or bricks that you already have on the property um, or have found for free? locally can you convert that free dresser or chest of drawers by the roadside into a quail coop or maybe a rabbit hutch um can those wooden crates that you found become a bedside table or even a bookcase um can you staple an old clean bed sheet on the back of some wooden picture frames that you found laying outside uh with you know that don't have any backing or glass on them um but if you tack on a old bed sheet and then add some strings so they hang horizontally or flat like a table and voila you have a cheap and easy herb or seed drying rack that you can hang somewhere and then use um could you turn thrifted yarn into a mesh or string bag for a farmer's market so you don't have to keep purchasing a bag all the time Maybe you can turn that thrifted yarn or into um, a mesh or string bag to store onions in. Maybe you can turn old t-shirts into a reusable bag and use that when you go pick up groceries. And maybe you can turn some of them into cleaning rags. I know I've shared before the story of my grandparents keeping like clothing scraps and old clothes that were then converted into cleaning rags and... Like, I just, I can't even tell you the number of times I would help, like, my granny polish the brass and the silver with the rags or help with dusting and cleaning during the summer holidays because that's how my sister and I earned our pocket money um, or our allowance was by helping with chores like cleaning and stuff. Um, but, I mean, I can't even tell you the number of times, like, we were using these old clothing rags and stuff and then the ones, like, I always seem to pick up subconsciously were always ones that ended up being like my granddad's undercrackers at one point like or you know his duds and stuff but I mean now looking back on it I mean as, as a kid I was like oh no these are like granddad's underpants like no I don't want to be using that as a cleaning cloth and my grand's there like it's clean it's fine like they're not you know his underpants anymore um but now as i'm older it's actually kind of a funny story to look back on i mean i get it they were cotton um they are they you know they're soft they became really good cleaning cloths for a myriad of different things around the home and you know it helped keep things out of the garbage um and out of the trash giving things a new lease of life and in the same line you know can you repair things that are broken and torn i've discovered visible mending or modern mending as it's called and um I mean, it looks absolutely beautiful how people have mended their clothes in a really unique way. And, um, you know, they've got a, a piece of clothing that is really unique. And now I'm gathering all of my ripped clothes and I have a horrific number of ripped clothes, um, particularly at the elbows um, from going through like the dog pen or the chicken coop. I would often catch things on my elbow and then, you know, tear um elbows in work clothes too no less um so i found a bunch of clothes um from moving unpacked to box but they were all kind of torn and they fit now i'm starting to lose weight um and you know what a great idea like being able to 
mend them and repair them in a unique way and then I can literally say that I have you know a a piece of clothing that I have created um, that is just as unique as me. It keeps things out of the garbage for longer. It keeps more money in your pocket by not having to buy new. And even though like I buy clothing from the thrift store all the time, um, I really love the idea of having clothing that is as unique as I am. Like the things I get compliments on the most are the things that I have either made myself or upcycled and repaired myself. Um, which is really quite fun actually thinking about it that that's um, you know what I get most compliments from it's never something that has been mass produced um, that has been you know bought off a rack somewhere it's always the things that you know I have either thrifted and then upcycled or you know made some subtle changes to um so that that's kind of fun to to think about uh, the things that you can do there and i know if, if my mum is listening to this podcast she she might be cringing um because we had this whole conversation about you know why why be buying things from the thrift store um because i was telling her about some really beautiful chairs that i picked up from a thrift store and how much i love them and how they're you know they're a perfect setting for our house that was built in 1790s and you know i sort of went on to say like that i bought you know couple of tops and things from the thrift store too and she's like well why why would you buy things from the thrift store when you can get them new and I said because I don't want to be buying things new and at full price and because I like the idea of things not going into a landfill um, and I, I like to you know make wiser choices with my money um so that was kind of an interesting conversation between like myself and my you know my mum whereas you know as a kid um you know my sister and I spent a lot of time like going to the charity shops um as my grandmother called it but we went to a lot of thrift stores and you know we would take our hard-earned pocket money from you know polishing you know the the brass doorknobs and dusting and all of the things that that we did over the summer and one of the best things and one of the best memories that I ever had is going to the thrift store and I remember like finding you know little blue and white china plates um you know with those gorgeous designs and things on them and I would spend hours um, you know looking through various like dishes and stuff because I, I wanted things that were blue and white that matched like my grandparents blue and white china which I've ended up inheriting um, and you know I, I was so proud like when I would come home with you know uh, just a few a few dollars spent and all of these these treasures that i had and um going into college and coming out of college like i always like to go to the thrift store and see what what you had because i enjoyed being able to find a bargain <laughs> find something that would fit um and you know also having you know that kind of slightly more satisfactory feeling of you know paying 50 bucks or whatever and having um a bunch of pants or a bunch of tops or you know various outfits and things that i could 
used throughout the seasons rather than you know paying 50 bucks on one item of clothing brand new so having that kind of homesteader or you know farmer mindset of using things up and you know getting things frugally um has been with me for a long time but now kind of seeing it from you know other farmers and um other people within the community um it's kind of interesting to see that it's it's a lot more um normal and i really love going to the thrift store and i you know i inevitably end up like chatting with people um there was a lady who i was chatting with a, a local th thrift store who found a teapot and it was amazing. I loved it. It was incredibly unique. Um, and, you know, she was really <laughs> excited to be taking it home. <laughs> and she was telling me how she collected teapots. And um, I think her grandmother was um, also from the UK. So it was quite nice to kind of chat with her about, you know, how her grandmother used to make tea, which, you know, is the same way that I make tea. You know, you have a tea bag for every person that wants a cup of tea plus an extra tea bag for the pot um, and then you you know pour hot water in there but before you even put the tea bags in you must first warm the teapot um, so that was kind of kind of fun to talk about those things so if you've never visited a thrift store um, definitely definitely go take a look um, and see what you can find sometimes um, going there is just the fun and weird things that you find um, actually some of the the fun things that we used to do would be um, finding random things that um, thrift stores and then leaving them at our friends on the porch and um, there was a it was like a, a giant um, walnut shaped cookie jar with a squirrel on the top and um, we left it there with some things in it and then over the next like few years it made its way like back and forth between us as an ongoing um, gag which was kind of fun until it broke which was a really sad sad day that that broke but um, I digress um, you know one of, one of the things that I, I absolutely enjoy and love about this sort of homesteading lifestyle is thinking outside of the box how can you reuse something and convert it into something else right i mean i've seen a um it was a, a trailer that had been converted not like a, a caravan or you know an rv type of trailer not not like that it was like a you know a flatbed trailer that had like had like a shed built on it and <laughs> really random um but that was like the chicken brooder that one farm had been using and um it was like a temporary housing thing and the farmer loved it because it meant it was really easy for him to hook it up to his tractor and then move it to a different field or a different area and you know the birds can come out of that coop and you know do what they do scratching around um that field without having to interfere with things in you know their newly planted or their ornamental gardens and stuff um so that was pretty cool and i've i've even seen um granted this was back in the uk but i had seen um where sort of 
chicken tractors or small scale chicken arcs i guess they were called um they were they were like a, a rounded um almost like a hoop house that had been built and they they had um old feed sacks like the plastic bags from feed and compost and stuff like that um that was the waterproof covering on it and then everything had um chicken wire put over it so there was i think there was chicken wire on the underside so there was like um hoops that had been made and i can't remember if they were either uh, plastic or metal but there was hoops and then there was a layer of chicken wire and then the plastic feed sacks and stuff to keep the the water out and then chicken wire again and they were used to basically raise meat birds in now granted in the uk there's a lot less predators than there are in various places in you know the u.s um and certainly that's nothing i could do here there's i mean that's just not a sturdy enough structure for me to be able to have birds in but it worked incredibly well for somewhere where there wasn't a fox problem and you know they didn't have you know some of these bigger predators like they weren't worried that raccoons were going to be you know getting in there or anything and it, it did a really good job it was a cheap and easy way for a farmer to raise a few um meat birds very quickly but out on pasture um with you know very little money so there are definitely ways that you can um you know turn things into something else and help with your um homesteading enterprise so to speak so um you know think about what you need on your property and um what are things that you know if you're going to go out and buy it you know what would that look like but then maybe start to think of what do i already have and how can i convert this into something and make it myself um we're doing that right now with the trestle table that my husband's building um we found some old like old pine boards uh, i mean really really old i mean our house is you know 200 and something years old and these pine boards are at least 100 and they were just stacked up in in the wood shop and he's now turning them into the top of our trestle table um and repurposing and reusing things that he finds in there as much as he can so have a think about it and i would love to see in the facebook group what you guys come up with what are some of the things that you upcycle and recycle and use in your garden and on your homestead i would love to see whether it is clothes and bags or whether it's bigger structures too i love seeing those kind of things and i know other homesteaders do as well all right let's move on to number three and that is that farmers get inspired by other farmers and the things that they see on the interwebs right so sure there's lots of tried and true or traditional things on a farm right you, you usually see fences that are made from down trees and you know there's electrical fencing stuff like that but there's also farmers that are trying something new and experimenting and i think out of the the few places that i visited and you know the farmers and things that i've talked to there may be only like one or two that were very much like nope this is how we grow things and i don't you know i don't deviate from that this is what works but there's so many that are constantly trying something new and experimenting whether it is reduced tillage like you know very very little digging and um, that was being tested out on one farm 
letting weeds grow um was being tested on another uh one farm had like was converting more keyhole garden beds or mandala gardens um versus kind of the traditional rows somebody else was experimenting with integrated pest management another person was doing um you know letting areas go wild or having like rewilding areas um and you know some were just you know happy with more rigid weed cutting and conventional managing of pests right that that's totally fine um they the one thing that i realized though is they don't jump in they don't go all in with a method they test it and they try it for a season or two and then expand it a little bit more and then test it and trial it a little bit more and see if the same thing works and you can do that too if you're wanting something similar in your garden then you can look at having a smaller area and testing and experimenting and seeing if it is something that works and whether you want to do it on a larger scale number four is that smaller vegetable garden areas are incredibly productive and one farm that i visited had a vegetable garden that seemed awfully small for what they were doing so they managed a csa community supported agriculture program and they had farmers market and they were able to feed their family um they had this garden area fenced so they had you know little larger mammal damage and it was very intensively planted so it was very very productive um when i looked at this little garden area i was kind of blown away with just how small it was um but also it made me really think and reevaluate my garden and my current garden struggles right i realized that i have put a lot of garden beds kind of too far apart to manage well to protect from deer and other herbivores um i don't have the resources right now to fence over three acres of land to keep the deer out um but if i had gone with one area a smaller garden that was fenced i would have had better success like i i wouldn't be so frustrated at you know all my cabbages and everything being eaten by the deer right i i would have had a lot more of a harvest and things coming in if i had you know just gone with a smaller area and fenced it kind of like i did with the dog pen um and after driving around the state i see so many smaller fenced in gardens that are incredibly abundant and even in the facebook group there are some incredible incredible uh very inspiring gardens that are out there and people are incredibly productive in a small space so if you're part of the facebook group definitely check out what's going on in there and thank you um to those people who have shared what your garden looks like and being able to help inspire other people because that's what helps that creativity right is that inspiration coming from others and hey maybe i can try doing that in my garden but i will say that although that i have a bit of a hike to visit the garden beds um i love seeing the microclimates change i love seeing what thrives in those areas i like seeing what pests or animal activity is absent from different beds and you know those that have been you know quite honestly decimated um you know it's been quite interesting to see the difference and it's really just a case of just walking further down the hill um which is quite interesting to see because there's a lot more um activity from animals 
closer to the house um which isn't really what i expected i expected the beds that were further away to have a lot more animal activity on them but it's not the case um so you know having having that perspective is helpful in figuring out where i'm going to be putting things um but i will say that we've got a contractor who's been on our property working on pulling down the barn over the last few weeks and um he said actually how much he loved kind of you know visiting the garden and walking around it and he was like telling me that it's like you're in a different world down there you you can't even see the house you can't really hear much of what's going on close to the road it's just nice to chill out and watch the garden grow and that was kind of nice to hear from somebody outside of my immediate family say that because that's kind of what I was going for you know I wanted something where you know you kind of took your time going around the garden and you know I I like the exercise it's good for me um but I mean it's a pain in the butt to water when I've got to um you know drag you know five gallons of water down there to do a little bit of watering at a time um but it's it's kind of nice to say um and to hear from somebody else that actually it was kind of nice just to kind of wander around and and see what's going on because how the garden beds are designed they kind of force you to take a different route you know you can't just kind of hop over um, all of the garden beds to get somewhere quickly you've kind of got to go up and down and through and around and you know that's kind of nice for me it's a I find it a real pain when I've then got to mow it um, but when things are mowed and it's easy to walk through it's kind of nice um, but this smaller garden um, at the farm that I visited has kind of inspired me for next year. So my keyhole and mandala no-till garden that I posted in the Facebook group, um, that I'm going to be fencing in. And part of that fencing is going to include, you know, the pear trees and things that are there. And that's, that's fine. Um, the beds that I have dug already are going to be mulched and they're going to be used so they're going to be used for some small scale grain production some um green manures growing uh, a couple of beds of milkweed and annual native flowers since i've seen that after letting the natural meadow come through the butterflies and the bees are incredibly abundant here um, i'm also going to be putting in the chicken tractors on the garden bed before mulching then as that larger fencing comes in i can start to expand that garden experiment with new techniques even trying new varieties if i want to avoid cross-pollination i can still use those existing garden beds that i have dug from my ongoing land race seed breeding projects and to test plants further in reduced water and other lower input conditions right i'm still going to be able to use what i already have in place but for next year because i'm going to want to be really really honing in my skills at growing food to be able to be living off the land i'm going to be pulling it in and going smaller to facilitate that now speaking of seeds my my last point for today's podcast is um, that some farmers used hybrid seeds some used open pollinated seeds heirlooms were kind of few and far between and when i was kind of talking to the farmers about that they all kind of said the same thing which was heirlooms needed a lot of work and were too needy for them to manage when they're trying to you know make this a profitable enterprise which you know 
farmers need to be paid right they need to be able to earn a living being you know doing a really really important job which is providing food for us as human beings right um or the animals that if they're producing for feed now some farmers saved seed with gusto and were incredibly excited to talk about their seed saving um others bought new seed every year they did what worked for them and their farm and that is definitely a leaf that you can take for your homestead and garden do what works for you and your garden if you want to save seeds from everything in your garden then do it if you want to save seeds from just a few favorites do it if you don't want to save seeds and you just want to buy new seeds and try something new every year then do it there isn't really a right or wrong way to garden and grow your own food and i would love to hear from you have you visited farms or other gardens recently what did you learn and what did you want to try in your garden or around the homestead let me know over in the facebook group and until next time i hope your garden grows beautifully and i'll see you all next week